You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Quack Podcast, the official podcast of ThunderQuack.com. I'm going to spare you guys the rigmarole this week um, because obviously we are in uh, a... a a strange strange time <laughs> in uh in our the history that we're living through at the moment and uh, uh with the with the pandemic and with everything else that's going on that we're going to talk about a lot on this episode um so the only thing that i got to do up front here is just mention our patreon producers jj samuel and brian murowski uh thank you guys for supporting us over on patreon.com slash thunderquack uh but like i said no rigmarole uh we're gonna we're gonna forego that um and uh i we're gonna get right into it uh so first and foremost i want to start this episode by i uh, i just stating unequivocally uh that thunderquack uh all of our podcasts uh everybody uh, uh on the team uh, stands with uh, Black Lives Matter and the protesters that have all been out there for the last, oh man, at this point, week and a little bit, um, uh, protesting police brutality. And uh, I, man, it's been, it's it's been a really, really um, enlightening uh, and uh, I, I, um. I don't know, man. I'm a little bit at a loss for words right now, which is not normal for me, right? Um, but uh, it's it's been a very interesting week and a half um, as uh, I, everything has kind of unfolded following the uh, the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And just today, as we're recording this uh, on Sunday night, um, uh, June the 7th, I, uh, <laughs> Minneapolis City Council has, has said that they're going to be taking steps to basically shut down their, their police, uh, and, uh, and figuring out a different plan for community safety. So, um, it, we're, we're maybe a little bit late in joining the conversation, but one of the reasons for that is that I wanted to make sure that Amanda and I weren't piping in with our, um, our two white voices <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> to add noise. Um, and take away from uh, from the important aspects of the conversation. But as things are starting to, I don't want to say settle down because because I don't want to give the impression that this movement needs to slow in any way. Um, I think if anything, right now is actually when we uh, crank the accelerator and 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 move forward even faster with the uh, with the incredible power of everything that's happened in the last week and a half. But, um, but as I think as, as, um, I, the doors actually start to open and the conversation starts to shift away from, uh, protests and riots and looting and all of that stuff and into lasting change, um, that, that we wanted to jump back in here, um, and, uh, and, and have a conversation about this now. Uh, before I introduced, uh, uh, sorry, before I introduced my co-host for uh, this evening, in fact, the host for this episode, and I'll be taking the backseat and co-hosting. Um, before I do that, I just want to say that that 
us stating our support of Black Lives Matter and and uh, everything that's happening right now uh, is is all well and good. And, and I like to see that, that a lot of people are out there and they are standing up and using their platforms, using their voice. Um, obviously, we know that action is a lot more important than just uh, uh, chiming in and saying that we support it. So uh, with that in mind, Thunderquack is going to be putting uh, a $100 donation uh, towards uh, uh, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'll be doing that, uh, tonight after we record. Um, and, uh, that with, with the goal of, of us trying to help contribute to, uh, 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 obviously the, the progressive change that needs to happen, um, uh, for, for tragedies like this to, uh, to stop, um, which I think is, is really the goal and, uh, and obviously defunding police, uh, and, uh, and reforming, uh, uh, either, or honestly, in my opinion, um, uh, are, are going to be good steps towards that. So without further ado, let me introduce my, uh, my host for this evening. I, you guys, uh, know Kyle Avery from star Wars, the saga continues, but, uh, but of course I know Kyle, uh, as, uh, uh, uh one of the, the commenters, one of the contributors, on the uh, the the front lines, the Clone Wars podcast message boards from way back in the day, and uh, and Kyle, I, I I actually was one of the first people to reach out and and uh, support me uh, on that podcast um, by doing uh, uh, recaps by writing recaps for me. So um, you can say that Kyle is is the second member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Um, because he was really the first one to, to join in and help me out. So uh, it's cool to uh, to have you on the Thunderquack podcast. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna kind of step back a little bit and I'm going to kind of give the floor to you to, to, to direct this conversation. And I'll just kind of jump in when, uh, w- you know, when there's a, an appropriate time for me to talk. But uh, I give the floor to you, sir. Okay. Well, yeah. Thanks for having me, Mike. Um, yeah, like you said, we go way back. I think not only did I write recaps for Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. I don't know if you remember this. I wrote you your first piece of hate mail, only because you kept asking for it. Like your first few episodes, I obviously didn't hate the show because here I am now. But yeah, I do uh, remember like, that. I do. Yeah, remember. you're like I'm not a legitimate podcast till somebody sends me hate mail, and so I like nitpick something I didn't agree with, and was like, sure, I'll play it up and write you some hate mail if you want it. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, obviously, it's it's crazy times uh, going on, like you mentioned. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm happy to kind of take the lead on the discussion. But if you have like questions or certain discussion points that you yeah. want me to talk about, uh, go for it. Because I mean, I don't even know where to start. But um, yeah, I mean, as and I'll I want to sort of preface with this because I mean, I know like you wanted to have me on here because I'm like the only black person um, among our group of Thunderquack hosts. Um, but my experience is not, you know, I'm not here to speak for all black people. Um, if there's, you know, if there's a, uh, sort of a typical, I mean, like everybody's experience is different, but if there's like a typical or average black life in America, mine certainly has not been it. Um, and I've admittedly, like, I've had a very privileged upbringing in life that I'm very grateful for and and haven't had a lot of like the struggles and, and oppression and stuff that, 
um, that a lot of other black people face. And I'm even trying to sort of be open and like learn like from other people's experiences right now. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I'm aware of it enough that like, even though, for example, um, like I've only ever had like respectful, peaceful interactions with police officers, whether it was me being like pulled over for a speeding ticket or being involved in an accident or whatever, I've always been professional with them. They've been respectful and professional to me. Um, and I've never felt racially profiled or anything like that. But at the same time, it is a thing where like, I still always kind of have to look over my shoulder and like be on alert and probably, you know, just be more aware of certain things in that situation than maybe somebody else would have to just knowing the possibility and the track yeah. record and the history. And my parents certainly raised me with that. My mom, especially, you know, always telling me like, as a young black man, these are the things you got to watch out for. And these are the way that people are going to perceive you and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so definitely, you know, I, I feel like I share that struggle and that experience to an extent. Um, and uh, but I will also say, you know, with everything that's going on right now, I mean, it's the frustrating thing is that this keeps happening. Right. It seems mm -hmm. like every year or every couple of years for the past. I mean, for the past 10 years, I mean, it seems like it's been kind of a trend that's been getting a lot of media attention. But this really goes back to like the 50s and 60s. And heck, you know, before that, there was slavery and Jim Crow laws and all that kind of stuff. So I'm on, obviously this is not a recent occurrence, but just with this string of, you know, it seems like you can kind of just trace this this almost recent wave of, of incidents, if you will, back to like Trayvon Martin in like 2012 and then, uh, you know, Michael Brown and Philando Castile and all the other ones that have happened since then, like it keeps happening and people get outraged and people protest. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it's hot news for a week and then it kind of dies down and goes away. And obviously like as the black community, we don't forget about that. And we, we remember that this is still stuff that could happen to anybody at any time. Um, but as far as it just being national news or international news in this case, as you see protests now happening all over the world, like this time kind of feels different. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't, I mean, like you mentioned that it's been going on for just about two weeks at this point. Um, and so it's not like there's a couple of days of protesting and it's dying down or, or going away. Like, and I hope that this is not a, a conversation, uh, that anybody stops having anytime soon. Um, there have also been some some heartening changes that I've already seen kind of going on right now. For example, um, like the four officers that were involved in George Floyd's murder uh, were all immediately terminated. And, and the one guy was charged with murder and then um, his murder charge was upgraded and the other three officers were charged. And even the fact that that has happened as quickly yeah. as it has is huge progress compared to other things. I mean, in the past, you know, some of the other incidents like the rioting and looting didn't even start right away. It started when they announced that the officers weren't going to be charged or that they were found innocent. And then people got really upset about it. Um, and so the fact that now, you know, you have this whole, you know, kind of this big outrage just over the fact that this happened again, but there's immediate action being taken against the people responsible. Um, and just, again, seeing the outpouring of support from all over the world. I mean, I know just speaking about it or, or posting on social media or even like marching in demonstrations is not necessarily, uh, you know, going to affect immediate change. And there are still more steps that need to be taken. But, you know, seeing, uh, you know, just as a black man in America, knowing that, you know, this is an issue that's, I mean, it's, it's worldwide, like police brutality and, and racism mm -hmm. is a worldwide issue. But 
you know, these specific killings and these, you know, like I said, kind of this chain of incidents that feels like it keeps happening is kind of like a black America issue. And to see people marching, protesting it in New Zealand and Germany and, you know, every corner of the globe, like, it's really cool to see. I mean, it's, it's sad at the same time to know that this has been going on for so long and it's, you know, enough of an atrocity that like the whole world is telling you to stop uh, you know, we shouldn't have even gotten to this point, but at the same time, seeing, you know, seeing so many people rise up and just seeing that support from all over the place is, um, it's encouraging. And, and like I said, it, it feels like it's different this time. And I really hope that this is the, the point where, uh, some lasting change gets made because you don't want to say, oh, George Floyd was a really big one. And then that died down. And then, you know, next year somebody else happens and it gets even bigger again. You know, you don't want this to keep being um, a a wave that just gets bigger and bigger every time until it finally, eventually, uh, you know, change happens and it stops happening. It's like, let's just get to that point now where we're, we're changing the system and, and making sure that we don't have to keep dealing with this. Yeah, you know, I I think I think the 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 key aspect of it that you touched on there was the accountability part of it, right? Um it's people don't necessarily get the outrage doesn't reach a fever pitch when people find out what happened. Um in fact, I I would say I I the the cynical perspective on it is that we're probably a little bit desensitized to it at this point. Um it's been for the last I would say 5 years an onslaught of every couple months there's another one of these dash cams or cell phone videos or something um about uh, a a police interaction that turns into uh, an unarmed black person dead. Right. And I, 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 I think in, in all of the instances where it's been a flashpoint and where, where it's had the, the opportunity for cultural change, um, it has been the outrage at the lack of justice after the fact. Right. Um, Yeah. It's it's the fact that that not that it happens because like I I'm I'm going to be really blunt here and say I I don't I don't think that it stops happening. (laughs) Right. Uh, It's uh, I don't I don't think that that abolishing the police or or reforming um, uh, the police is going to end racism. Right. I I think that that's a problem that I. that will persist forever. As long as there's one group of people, there will be another, right? Um, Obviously the, the, the specifics of, of racism against, against black people in America is, is its own case. But, but I'm just saying it's the, the lack of justice. I think that, that is most upsetting for people and that, that they want to see change first and foremost because i think that with that you'll see a lot less of this it's in uh-huh. the, like the lack of accountability uh on the part of the police um and and oversight and just sort of their ability to uh act without 
any worry of repercussion, um, whether it's through qualified immunity or it's just uh, just a result of of the insular protective nature of police unions um, and and sort of that brotherhood of of law enforcement. Like those are the aspects that need to be dismantled um, because if they are, (laughs) if if those elements aren't in play, then um, then police officers will be more careful. Right. They'll have to be. Because right now, uh, if if they do something, the the likelihood of them just getting away with it and and not seeing any punitive action, even uh, suspension or anything like that, like it, it it's 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 staggering how often, like if you look at the statistics of this, uh, how often these incidents just don't become anything. The other part of it is is how often if a, if another police officer intervenes or reports it or uh, speaks out against it, how often they're fired for for that action. Yeah, and that obviously needs to stop too. Like so, like it's it's it, it, the 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 phrase. Uh, some people will say all cops are bad. The, the the phrase is actually all cops are bastards, and and I think that one of the things that I heard recently listening to, to people talk about this um, is that the, like, the reason why it's all cops are bastards is because the system is a bastardization, right? It's to serve and protect. And yet that serve and protect seems to only apply to white people. Right. And, and that, that like the very nature of that, it's, it's the idea of, um, when I, I, you know, white people call the cops because they, they, they need somebody to come help. Right. But what does a, a black or a Hispanic or Latino person do if they need to call the cops, if they need the police to come, uh, when it is entirely likely that they don't feel safe? Right. Like uh-huh. that's these are kind of the core issues here um, that 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 are involved in this, that people are talking about. And and uh, George Floyd's murder. And, and I think that the way that we talk about that, even the way the, the, the language that we use, we don't say his death. Right. We don't say the incident or situation. Right. His murder. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it it's just a flashpoint for the issue um, of police brutality and, and the very clearly unbalanced um, system that, that lifts one side up and oppresses the other. And yeah, it's, I, I, I don't know, obviously being in Canada, I, I have different experiences with the police. Um, but I, what what I've seen uh, uh, over the past few years, uh, as a as a result of social media, is it just every time another video gets posted online, it's just the the question just reverberates in my head of like when is this going to change, 
um mm-hmm. like like but like how how like what what is any one person supposed to do i don't think that you or i have answers for that um so it's more of a rhetorical question for everybody to kind of think about at home but yeah but you know that is a good question though because and that's something that i've thought about because we have to kind of ask ourselves that question of like okay well we want lasting change but what does that change look like yeah. and it's not something that that any one of us can affect but you know like you said i mean you can sit at home tweeting black lives matter all day and then you realize like okay well it's great that i said that or that i feel that way but like i want to do something more to actually support the cause or to help affect change or you know even like you go march and protest and it's like well what are we protesting for specifically Mm -hmm. um and so and, and again like we want change we want the the system change we want this to stop happening but what specifically does that look like um and for me, like I said, one just big step towards all that was, like you said, the accountability of it. The fact that uh, this cell phone video, you know, captured this guy kneeling on George Floyd's neck, went viral. Everybody saw it. He got fired. He got charged. The other officers involved uh, were also charged, which, by the way, I'm sure a lot of people probably have seen this. But for anybody who hasn't seen, like, the the additional coverage of that video, mm-hmm. because there's – it's the – like the main video that went viral, you see uh, the one officer that's kneeling on his neck and there's another one just kind of standing by like holding the crowd back um, and obviously not doing anything to stop him. Um, But there were four officers that got fired. So it's like, okay, well, where were the other two? They're also kneeling on George Floyd. Like there are pictures and other video from like the other side of the street uh, where you can see he's like behind the, behind the police vehicle. So in that first video, you could only see George Floyd's head kind of like sticking out from behind the car. Um, but the other two officers were also like kneeling on his back. So like, yeah, the the one guy, you know, can't argue like, oh, I had to keep him restrained. The guy that was kneeling on his neck could have gotten off of him. And there's still two fully grown adults kneeling on his back. But yeah. um, I mean, nobody's arguing that that was like, okay, or anything. So we don't need to go into that. But like, again, so the fact that all of them were immediately terminated, that they're being charged, like, that I think is step one, because we have to have accountability for this kind of stuff. And I think we are seeing at least with a few recent cases, seeing that sort of trending in the right direction. Like there was also the case, I think last year or the year before with, um, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on the guy's name. Um, uh, Botham Jean, who's the the black guy that was just sitting in his apartment and uh, a female police officer walked in on him supposedly thinking it was her apartment. And so she claims, you know, she thought she walked into her apartment and walked into the wrong one and saw a black guy just chilling there in her living room and shot him. Um, And she's in jail now. So, you know, seeing officers start to be held accountable for this kind of stuff is, is progress. At the same time, you have like Breonna Taylor, who was just killed, I think back in March Mm -hmm. um, in sort of a botched investigation where the, the police went to her apartment thinking that maybe there were drugs stashed there as part of some drug investigation that they were, were looking into. Um, the, and they busted in, in plain yeah. clothes, unannounced, uh, her boyfriend who had a gun, you know, fired at the police thinking they were intruders. Um, and they just lit up the apartment and yeah, ended up they, killing her in her sleep. They, they, um, they were investigating because they suspected her boyfriend of being someone else. Um, and so they executed a raid without, um, without announcing themselves, uh, mm-hmm. without, I, uh, I, they just bust in through the door with guns drawn. Um, and, I, 
because they, they had a because they had a no knock warrant, which yeah. means you're yeah. allowed to enter the premises yeah. without knocking. And even in that case, so those officers haven't been charged yet, but I think the yeah. the mayor of the city or the the police chief in that city uh, suspended basically their the serving of those warrants. They said, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, so you know, even though those officers, I think, still need to be charged. Um, at least, you know, they're, they're taking steps in that situation too. Now, part of the thing that's troubling is because of the age that we live in with social media and with, uh, you know, everybody of course has a, a smartphone with a, a camera on it and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, if there weren't citizens around to record this kind of stuff, a lot of it would still, you know, they'd still be getting away with, or it would be getting swept under the rug or not getting a lot of media attention. But that's also part of, you know, what is, um, sort of bringing this to the forefront and, and creating this accountability is like everybody can see it. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, a witness said this, but the official police report said this. It's like, no, there's millions of witnesses all around the world that are watching this happen on video. So, um, and well, he, you, you know, you like I said, it, this, sorry, you, you see it with the, the, the video of the, the 74 year old man at, at a protest mm-hmm. the other day who was very visibly pushed backwards by a, by two police officers and falls he does stumble afterwards and then fall backwards and he and he cracks the back of his head open and you can mm-hmm. literally in the video i mean like i don't want to get too graphic about it but the reality of the situation is that he his the back of his head just starts bleeding like like not a little bit of blood like it's rapid and it's a lot and and then within the day they like their statement was like, Oh yeah, it was really unfortunate how that, how that old dude, uh, tripped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They like, said he slipped. They said he, there's, there was like an, uh, an altercation whatever yeah. the guy slipped and fell. It was an accident. And like two hours later, the video's circulating and everybody's like, uh, no, we can see clear as day. That's not what happened. Yeah. Like it's like, like they're even in the midst of everything, they're still trying to use their old tactics um of of just you know like like yeah just kind of you know sweep it under the rug just we're just going to use pr speak and and that sort of thing and just falsify stuff if it if if we need to because you know like it's more important that we have police out there than than uh than deal with the crimes that they're committing like that's essentially the attitude and uh you can tell that that's the attitude because as these protests have uh, ramped up and gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, and the police are coming out to meet them in force in bigger and bigger and bigger forces, uh, they're like they are escalating the the situations. They are in some instances instigating it. Um, obviously, like we don't have evidence of every single. Uh, uh, um, you know, sort of moment that that uh, that that this brutality and stuff like that has occurred, but but I would say for a lot of them, there are people recording video, and you can see that it's a peaceful protest until the cops decide that they're going to push forward or toss in a, a tear gas or a flashbang, all sort of rubber bullets, whatever. Um. And escalating the situations like they're, they're I, people keep saying like, oh, they need to be better at de-escalating. They need to be better at de-escalating. There is no de-escalating of a peaceful protest, right? <laughs> yeah. Like people are standing, they are chanting things. And yeah, 
they're pissed off they're aggressive mm-hmm. and and they are obviously not cool with the police being there at all right um but a bunch of people standing yelling hurtful things let's say like because that's really at the end of the day all it is they're just yelling hurtful things just bad words they're saying bad words at police officers um just to just to like play the reality of like what they're what the protesters are doing and then the police are taking that personally they are foregoing their oaths and 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 basically attacking the the protesters and then what you see in response from that escalation is riots and then with riots come opportunistic looters right and sort of there are there's 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 the three aspects of that there's the protesters there's the rioters and there's looters right and protesters Uh are there to protest and if you allow them to peacefully protest that's what's going to happen and in i would say all the instances that i've been paying attention to that's exactly how it's gone down right the second that it gets you know like that there's the push whether it's an instigator coming in trying to start something uh uh, by throwing something at the police or 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 breaking a window or something like that or uh or or it's the police instigating uh once the riot starts there's there are people who a are are pissed off and i think justifiably so or b uh people who are there waiting for that opportunity right how many videos of uh you know like let's say 16 to uh to 25 year old white men with skateboards have we seen smashing windows over the last two weeks a lot there are quite a few a lot um and I've said, like, Crystal and I were talking about this the other day. We were in downtown Vancouver um, for the Stanley Cup final when we lost. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you could feel it. Like, you could, you could tell that most people were there for the, for the hockey game because they had, like, a big screen outside. And most people were there for the hockey game. But you could tell there were these people sort of on the fringes that they had no interest in the hockey they were specifically there because in 1994 we rioted when we were in the Stanley Cup final. And so they thought, mm-hmm. here, it's going to happen again. And there, at one point, I, I can remember towards the end of the game, we saw these guys climbing essentially the the streetlight up until one of them managed to get up on top of the streetlight and was like hanging from like the traffic light, right? Like the stop, like yeah. the stop, like, a, like the three light traffic light. Mm-hmm. and it was at that point that we turned to each other and we we're like, we gotta get out of here because you could tell that like these people, like the second that this game was over win or lose, this is going to be a riot. Right. And yeah. so those are the people that I'm talking about. They have, those people have nothing to do with the protest. Just like they had nothing to do with the hockey game. Right. Mm-hmm. No, just like, um, yeah. And I, I mean, we see that all the time here. Like uh, for instance, Jake Paul, who's, you know, sort of an infamous YouTuber was caught right here where I live in Arizona. Um, so there have been mostly peaceful protests in downtown Phoenix. Hmm. Um, and then over in Scottsdale, which is kind of like the the more upper class uh, 
not really suburb, but you know, part of the Phoenix metropolitan area. It's one of the cities that, that makes up sort of this area. Um, and Scottsdale's where all like the rich athletes and stuff live. And there's like the Scottsdale Fashion Square Mall. And Jake Paul got caught looting over there. Yeah. Like, and but there was there was looting going on there where it was clearly like just people looking to sort of take advantage of the sort of the anarchy and the chaos and you know maybe pretend to join the movement and go oh yeah screw the establishment i'm gonna bust in here and steal a 200 hundred dollar pair of shoes like not for my own interest just you know because i support the cause of course you know like get out of here um and you know so it's like yeah it's it's frustrating seeing so many people obviously try to uh you know take advantage of that situation and like you said sometimes it's uh police instigators or even just like white supremacists or people who disagree with the black lives matter movement that are trying to sort of delegitimize it mm-hmm. um or, or cause chaos just to make other people look bad or whatever other times it's people just you know like you said trying to take advantage of it for their own self-interest or just trying to sort of get caught up in the wave and you know not do anything progressive for the movement but like i said i really feel like there's a group of people that are just sort of anti-government in general or anti-establishment and they're just like oh i don't know what you guys are here for but we're we're marching against the government and we're throwing and breaking stuff and like oh yeah sure i'll join in on that yeah. um and that obviously is not helpful or productive to anything so well and um you know not i i don't want to derail too much but but i just have to i have to bring it up the i think it's 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 dangerous to to not talk about or to neglect the idea that that white supremacists in North America uh, are taking advantage of this situation to try and ignite a larger conflict, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, for for anybody who who pays attention to this stuff, which as a uh, as a Jewish man, I kind of have to. Um, Obviously, over the last few years, as Trump has emboldened them, these white supremacists, white nationalists, Nazis, have been just crawling out of the woodwork, right? Uh-huh. And uh, if, you, if you've done any kind of research into it, or even just, you know, watched a movie or two on the subject, um, you, you, you can know that the the fbi has been infiltrating these groups for years um i still haven't watched uh, uh black klansman oh i, I haven't really either to. i want to though, i really, yeah. really need to but um i that's more that i think that's more police than fbi but um there's a movie called imperium uh starring daniel radcliffe that is uh uh it's a it's a dramatization but it's based on a real world account of an FBI agent who um uh, basically gets himself uh, uh into um a white supremacist group uh, uh in order to, to for them to get basically intelligence right and in their playbook is the one of their goals is to ignite a race war Right. With the intention of basically turning the American people, the white American people against uh, minorities, against other ethnicities. Right. Um, And and we've seen so many videos of of these these white guys starting stuff in the midst of these protests. And then you see 
uh, a bunch of people, but predominantly black people coming out and like basically shutting them down, right? Stopping them from, from whatever they're doing and telling them to get the hell out of there. And uh, I firmly believe that, that the vast majority of these people are, are they're part of these white nationalist groups. Um, the other part of it that's really scary is that in that in those same playbooks, infiltrating the the uh, like all levels of law enforcement and the military is also in there, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw a video the other day, and this was scary. It was a um, a, a video that somebody took at a protest of a police officer talking to a group of guys who I think were part of some white supremacist group. The Proud Boys, yeah. The Proud Boys, yeah, yeah. And he was basically warning them, yeah. like, hey, just so you know – we're going to be out here arresting people as soon as curfew starts. Like, why don't you guys go hide inside that building and stay out of sight so that it doesn't look suspicious and doesn't look like we're playing favorites when we arrest like the black people and not you essentially. Um, And it was like, that was troubling to see, you know? And um, gosh, I mean, it's, it's so, it's so frustrating all the different sort of, like, like, I feel like we start with one issue here and it splits out into like a thousand different things. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's like now we got to tackle this too. I mean, yeah. you know, this is part of – like this is almost a separate issue that we need to, to weed out. Um, it's – it's I mean it, it – and it's – it isn't one issue, right? There are yeah, – yeah. there are symptoms all over the place. But if you don't treat the disease, you know, treating the symptoms is only going to – and as, as we've seen, I think, and, and the reason why these protests are happening again as they did in Ferguson, right, uh-huh. um, is that we treat the symptoms or in that instance, is like you don't even treat the symptom. You just kind of put a balm on it and hope that, yeah. hope that it goes away. Right. Yeah. Which for any well, of us who also, ever had an ailment and done that, you just go like, oh, I'm just going to rub some ointment on this and, you know, right. hope I don't have to go to the doctor. By the time that you end up going to the doctor, you're embarrassed because you're like, I probably should have come in two weeks ago. Right. Like, cause exactly. it never, it yeah. never works. Um, and that's, and, and that's kind of what I was talking right. about where, yeah, where, where these things keep happening and it keeps, you know, it gets attention. People march, you know, maybe there's a little bit something done about it, but then it kind of just dies down or it gets swept under the rug or the officers don't get charged or whatever. Um, but I think, you know, kind of going back to something you were talking about earlier when you, when we were talking about accountability and Mm -hmm. how a lot of times that's where the outrage is. But that, I think that's another reason why this time it feels different is because there's so much sort of built up under the surface. It's not just about an officer being held accountable for for killing a black man. It's about the the injustices and the the systematic racism that black people face on a daily basis because in like I said in this case the officers were all fired immediately, they're all charged um you know, maybe not right off the bat, but within, you know, two weeks and who knows how long it'll take for a, a trial and a verdict to come because the justice system takes forever. But, um, you know, it feels like in this case, it's like people want more and I feel like they should. And it's not, we don't just want them to be held accountable in this one instance. We want this to stop happening, but we also mm-hmm. want, you know, I mean, it's, it's permeated throughout the culture. I mean, 
for example, the other, you know, it's funny how like so many other videos and other examples of this pop up just in the wake of this were like a couple days after the George Floyd killing. Uh, there was the guy, and I forget his name, he was, you know, the black man who was bird watching in Central Park in New York City, and a yeah. white woman, you know, called the police on him because there's a rule that you have to have your dog on a leash, and her dog was off the leash, and he said, hey, ma'am, uh, you need to have your dog on the leash, and she freaks out and is like, he's threatening me and harassing me, and this black man is filming me and wants, you know, clearly felt threatened by him just because he was black and like freaked out on him and and people were like yeah we face that too um and so you know it's just i feel like you know like you said it's like it's a flashpoint but not just of uh you know it's not just anymore about uh killings or or just you know white police officers killing unarmed black men but it's about um just systematic racism and cultural racism too i mean you you kind of touched on that too like it's almost two separate issues like there's systematic racism which is all the the systems in place that have been there for hundreds of years to benefit white people and hold uh people of color down you know that have been there since the days of slavery and it's like well you know it's like okay well now we're not you know those laws aren't still around or anything but it's like okay yeah but obviously the effects of those are still being felt today, it's, yeah. whether it's, yeah, you know, Jim Crow laws or like redlining, which was, you know, laws where they would basically zone out the poor sections of a city and say, OK, the black people can only live here. And that's not in practice anymore. But that's why you have low income black communities still today. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it's, the it's systematic. Like, yeah. It's 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 when they remove the laws. The, the guy that we were talking about is Christian Cooper. He was the 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 black guy who yeah. was just bird watching in Central Park and then told this this white woman to to get her dog back on its leash and she threatened to call the cops on him which is a threat of if you don't leave me alone I'm gonna call the police here they're probably gonna shoot you right like that's so she was absolutely weaponizing her whiteness mm-hmm. and the police against him which is but- which is awful but like those we were talking about with the redlining and stuff like that. It's like we, we remove the law, but then if nothing is done to uh, to correct the injustice, right? It's like what you're saying about about these officers. Sure, yeah, they're charged. Hopefully, they end up going to jail, right? That's the that's that's what we want to see happen. But if that's all that happens, then six months later, we're just going to be right back here. It's going to happen mm-hmm. again. Right? Exactly. Exactly. It's, and that's it, why I say this is a good first step, but yeah. now we need to, yeah. you know, make that, I, I wouldn't even say make that commonplace because you don't want this to keep happening and they're, oh, we're going to charge the officers every time. No, you want to put systems in place where that's being prevented from happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think when you, when you look at it, we could talk about solutions, right? There's a lot of mm-hmm. solutioning that can be done of like, well, first off police in North America, it's Canada as well need more training absolutely yeah um, i was i, I saw think we a do a little bit better job day. here than you guys do because there it's like i think what i saw was like it's like it's like 20 months or something like that like it's not it's it's no 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 it's it's uh well from what i saw this is just one graphic that sure. i saw just on twitter the other day and it's it was comparing different countries yeah um and it had and i don't remember what the countries were but a lot of them were like smaller european countries and i know that like population size and and demographic oh, and man. stuff has okay, a lot yeah, to do I've with got it as well I've got it. but yeah I've, okay yeah I, so there I are countries it. where th- yeah 
oh okay we're, yeah we're, we're showing like countries that had like two to three years of training required yeah. for police yeah it's and like norway finland of, and iceland it's like it's like yeah. three years two years two years and then yeah, and their their number of police their number of civilians killed by police in the last like 10 yeah. to 20 years is in the single digits yeah and then in america it's 21 weeks of training required and there's like eight thousand killings since the year 2000 yeah yeah it's yeah so obviously like that's a that's a really key solution right but how how does that solution happen and I think <laughs> something happened today I, at one of the protests. Mitt Romney showed up, right? Mm-hmm. And Mitt Romney posted on his Twitter, Black Lives Matter. Now, like, no Republican politician has said those words in a non-derisive way, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, Trump has so far exceeded his mandate as the president of the United States he has so flagrantly abused his power and he has just unjustifiably attacked his own citizens uh, in, in broad daylight, right? Like, like not even mm-hmm. like there's not even anything sneaky about it. He's proud of himself for this. And it's at the point where you've got Mitt Romney like if everybody remembers back to the race between Mitt Romney and and Obama now Romney was never going to win but like it got dirty right and that's where the whole birther mm-hmm. thing started and like it's like like they, we're not talking about a nice guy like i don't want to i'm not giving props to Mitt Romney here let's be really clear about that he's he's still a terrible person but he's out there walking in these protests and posting on his Twitter, Black Lives Matter. And whether it's political uh, th- th- theatrics or not, I don't really care. It's a, it's, a, it's a change in what we've seen before, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got, like, like Colin Powell <laughs> stepping yeah, yeah. out and going, like, this is ridiculous. This is unacceptable. Like, uh, again, not a good dude. War criminal, as, as far as most people are concerned, right? In, in terms of, like, the... the 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 war in Iraq and and uh, and Afghanistan and that sort of thing right like like these are these are guys who have made some very very bad decisions in the past who I think are being forced to look at the the state of American politics and really where they've left it because they're they're the ones who opened the door for a guy like Trump to come in and do this stuff um, and they're regretful <laughs> right and I think that the key is obviously on the democratic side uh it's going to be an easier fight but even still you, you we have to hold uh, uh liberal politicians accountable for the things that they're going to say on the campaign trail in the next year right um but but there's an opportunity right now to actually get some of these republican politicians on the right side of history because it's a bad look and they know it's a bad look and they know that some of them are up for re-election and what's his face just got booted out um the i uh, i uh, uh Steve King i i just got booted out um and and there's kind of seeing the writing on the wall but like that doesn't mean ease up it means like i said before like hit the accelerator like this is the time when you put more pressure on them not less right um, Biden saying a lot of the right stuff right now, and I also I I happen to think that Biden is a is a 
a good person, if not uh, a, a flawed politician, right? Mm-hmm. But now's the time to start holding him accountable to the things that he's been saying, right? Uh, obviously, he is the better alternative. <laughs> and I think that's one of the things that's really difficult. And I think it's what happened in 2016 is that uh, the emails, Benghazi, whatever, all that stuff with Hillary, it it polluted the real conversation, which was like, you know, sort of the sanctity of democracy. Um, and, 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 uh, the actual sort of like sacredness of, of trust that we put in politicians. Right. Um, Trump came out saying everything everybody wanted to hear, but obviously he was full of it and people bought that hook, line and sinker. And they also bought into the media narrative around Hillary Clinton, which was an easier sell because she was a woman. Um, and people were already predisposed to dismiss her. Uh, but that can't happen this time around. I think people need to be a little bit more unified and a little bit more strategic in the way that they're going to vote. It really doesn't matter if Joe Biden um, <laughs> has done some bad stuff in his past. He definitely has. I think that that everybody can agree on that. Um, and I'm not saying that it doesn't matter is, and he shouldn't be held accountable for that stuff too. But in terms of leadership and accountability, like who are you? You can't hold Trump accountable, accountable. He's, he is impeached. He was impeached. He's an impeached president. And yet he's still going to run for reelection. The Republicans are still backing him as of right now. Right. As of right now. Yeah. We'll see if that changes. Hopefully, like, the, hopefully this changes in the air, right? And that, and that it, mm-hmm. it catches like wildfire. I mean, just with – it probably won't. But, I mean, just in the past couple of days with the number that have turned against him. But um, I, I, think it's, I think it's really important for everybody to unite. I don't care who the guy, other guy is on the ballot. And voting independent isn't a solution. Just flat out. If you vote independent, you're a coward. You know, your, your convictions are just as bad as anybody who votes for Trump. That's my opinion, and people can take me to the mat for that if they want. But I don't care. Like, like that. It, you guys have a two-party system down there, and uh, it, your, your, your government's not very representative, uh, what with the, the, the gerrymandering and, and the way that you're, you're, mm-hmm. uh, 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 what, what's it called? I'm, I'm, I'm losing it right now. It's late when we're recording. Um, but the, 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 the way that like one state has less people, but more is more important in, in terms of the overall result right yeah the electoral college electoral college that kind of stuff yeah um like it's it the system is set up like a lot of these systems that we're talking about on this episode they are set up to keep the people exactly where the powerful want them right um and and the reason why these electoral colleges are set up the way that they are, the, the the district lines are set up the way that they are, is in order for these politicians to maintain their power structures. You're never going to beat them without 
playing by their rules. And and I think that that's one of the things that people need to start realizing. A couple of years ago, we wanted in Canada, we wanted to get rid of our conservative politicians. The way that we did it is that a guy set up a website that was like, hey, you're in a like strategically where you are. It's more likely to go this way than that way in terms of and we have multiple parties here. So it's a it's a slightly different situation, but it still applies. It's like, OK, similar idea to like swing states. Right. It's like, look, yeah, you want to vote liberal. But if you vote for the NDP, you'll ensure that the conservatives won't get a seat. Right. The conservatives are our version of the Republicans, obviously. I. So it was like strategic voting became a part of our culture in that election. The idea was that Trudeau was saying that he was going to do away with first past the post, which is the way that we basically count the votes and you know who gets in and whatnot. He didn't do it. He he's he's totally like reneged on that, and it's uh, it that's a whole Canadian politics thing, but. Um, so that's the accountability thing, right? Is that politicians are going to make promises. They're going to say stuff. And then it's, it's our job as, as citizens to hold them to the promises that they make. Um, but the point being, it's like, sometimes you have to go against your, your, your party in order to make sure that the right thing is is done right in order to see justice done and that's that's kind of where we're at right now the other important part is federal politics are flashy that's what everybody talks about but if you want real change on the levels uh, of what we're talking about when it it comes to uh police reform or or abolishment uh, uh abolishment abolition i think it's abolition but if you really want to see that stuff happen, it actually happens on your local and state or provincial level. Um, like your municipal government has way more power to enact immediate change um, than state or federal. Federal actually is like the least efficient because it's got to go through so many channels and everybody has to agree and nobody's going to. Right. Mm-hmm. It's 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 going to take forever for it to even become an issue. And then when it does, it's just going to be debated and then it's just going to get thrown out basically. Um, if you want to see real stuff happen, real change happen, it's going to happen on the municipal level. And that's one of the things that Obama was talking about the other day. It's like, that's where, that's where you have to get involved. And it's tough. It's boring stuff. City council meetings. The only thing more boring than a city council meeting is a is a church council meeting or uh, a parent uh, association, uh, like a school pack, yeah, right? Like PTO. Yeah, yeah. Like those those are those are the only things more boring than city council, because um, at least at city council, every once in a while, you get a you get an eccentric person come in and say, you know, I I'm really mad because all the fire hydrants aren't purple. You're like, okay, this is not an issue that anybody else agrees with, but go ahead, say your piece. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think I think that there's there's a real need for people to um, not be complacent uh, uh, and not uh, uh, remain neutral in some of these fights, um, and to really stand up for. I don't like like it's the party thing that gets me. Who cares about the party? It's about what's right. 
and and mm-hmm. the word for that is justice, but it, that's loaded at this point. What we're talking about is moral right and wrong, and I should hope that everybody's watching these videos of these protests and that they're seeing. There's a lot morally wrong with the police as an institution and something has to happen like full stop. Yeah. That's kind of the end of it. Something has to happen. And, and that could be reform. It could be abolition and, and, uh, and a new uh, uh, community safety plan put in place, which is what Minneapolis is talking about right now. Yeah. Um, and it'll, I mean, that's going to be an interesting experiment if they actually go through with it. Um <clears throat> Cause I mean, I don't know. I'm just like, it, cause they talked about doing like a, a community led safety program. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, as much as there are issues in the police department and things that need to be changed and things that probably need to just get completely chucked out. Like, you know, are we going to have a community SWAT team? Like if you've got, you know, some armed drug dealers, like you're going to send yeah. Steve from down the street to go deal with those guys. I don't know, man. So no, I um, here, here's, here's, here's the thing that I think is the solution to something like that. I I do think that that obviously cuz I the 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 go-to that I went to was was the school shooting issue, right? And here's the problem. It's never going to work for you guys fully until you deal with the second amendment. <laughs> un, un, until until you guys have tighter gun laws. It's just never going to be um an easy solution. I'm not, I don't want to say that, that, that it can't be solved, but it, it's definitely the, the fact that people have such easy access to, uh, automatic weapons in the United States. It's, it's something that in Canada we look at and we just don't understand like how that's yeah. a thing. I, I can imagine. And yet every time that issue comes up, there are people here that are yeah. like, I'm going to shoot you if you come after my guns. Yeah. So it just yeah. kind of comes to a standstill and uh, nothing gets done about it. I mean, we see the picture of the guy from the protests a, 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 a few weeks ago, the, 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 all the right wing nut jobs uh, coming out of the woodwork saying that they want to get haircuts. Um, and you see the picture of a guy in a, in a, a subway with a well, yep. goddamn rocket with... launcher on his back. <laughs> like... I swear, I just saw that picture for the first time the other day, and I was—I showed yeah. it to my wife, and I was like, "Keep in mind, this might be photoshopped because don't believe everything you see on the internet." Sure. But some dude brought a freaking rocket launcher into a subway. Yeah, and you know, like as as long as that's a reality in in the U.S., um, I, I don't I don't know what a community safety plan looks like. I like it's it's hard for me to imagine what that looks like. Yeah. Now, I'm not a politician. I'm a graphic designer and branding expert. So so, you know, like when you guys figure out what that is and then you need somebody to put a nice logo to it, let me know. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, and 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 that's where I can actually be of use and of service. But but like I do, I have questions about that. I have questions about, mm-hmm. you know, people have access to firearms. So, uh, it feels to me like an armed response is something that is somewhat necessary. I, 
my my thought on that is that that needs to be something that's a that's on a higher level that 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 has a higher accountability um and and so we're talking yeah. about like oh yeah federal, you're saying a federal level right like that's uh, right right like yeah just because like you have FBI armed citizens you can't have them policing other citizens because then who are you who gets to decide who's in the right when who shoots who you know like yeah. um, um but but that said it's like there are people who are experts in this stuff um there is uh i there are existing examples of these systems working. So um, I, I think that, that it's, we've talked about it. There are so many aspects to this. There are so many facets. There are so many issues that all contribute to it. It's not one thing. I think that a lot of the stuff that Joe Biden has said in the last couple of weeks, uh, even before this started, um, there's that interview that he got in a lot of hot water for, um, what his closing remarks of like, well, if you're if if you're voting for Trump, then then in his words, you ain't black. Um, a poor choice of words, but I think that the sentiment maybe um, I was lost in in that um, because the 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 whatever it is, sixty minutes of that interview before that, um, talking about real issues, he had a lot of very important, very salient things to say about the systems of oppression in the United States that, that black people specifically, but also uh, Latinos and Hispanic people suffer from as well. Um, uh, issues of education, access, uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the uh, community services in poor neighborhoods and stuff like that, right? It's, it's all part of the same thing. I think you when you start dealing with some of the systemic issues you'll you'll notice that some of these other problems will start to lessen right um it's and people one of the best things that i saw in the last couple of days uh on the subject of defunding the police is uh people have a really hard time uh imagining what that looks like yet we've been defunding education for decades yep i saw that too right and that is like that's it's right there you want to know why things are getting seem to be I, i i don't know but they seem to be getting worse and not better that's it right there i saw a tweet from alexandria ocasio cortez uh today that the budget for the nypd is six billion dollars billion with a b Mm -hmm. six billion dollars yet new york city has problems with homelessness drug addiction access to education all of these things it's when you put the budget of all of those other infrastructure and social programs together it doesn't even come close to six billion dollars well, what yeah, I are mean, they just spending e- six billion dollars on? And you see it on the streets right now because they've got tanks, yeah, and tear no, and gas, even, and even, riot gear. Even they work like the military. It's ridiculous. Even, even more to that point. I mean, I've seen a lot of people point out how like we're in the middle of this pandemic, mm-hmm. and I don't know how you guys have been dealing with it up there in Canada, but I mean, here, obviously, like 
nobody knows where to go to get tested. I mean, yeah. like we kind of do, we do now, but it took, you know, weeks to get to that point. There's still a shortage of protective equipment and just sort of a lack of general direction. It still yeah. feels like, yeah. um, but you know, specific issue like lack of access to to protective equipment and ventilators and the respirators and the kind of things that you need to to tackle this pandemic. And they're like, you know, how long have we been waiting for this stuff? And let and yet look how quickly you know they've sprung up with with riot gear and tear gas and tanks and stuff to deal with these protesters or. Uh, you know, even like Trump ordered them to build a fence around the White House because, you know, mm. protests were starting to happen there and stuff. And I told my wife, I was like, you know why that is? Because Trump's not afraid of coronavirus. He's afraid of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's, you know, hey, you, like you, you said, know, just the, that allocate. You, you oh, sorry, sorry, you you and I, 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 we're not big fans of the rise of Skywalker, right? <laughs> no but uh but that that moment towards the end of the movie uh it just seems to to kind of echo over and over mm -hmm. lately yeah there's more there are us. more of us poe right. there are more of us yeah so yeah i made i made a tweet i made a joke the other day of like uh uh you know like does mexico want to chip in to to replace that fence with a 16 foot wall with barbed wire because uh, <laughs> canada will put the tech on it so that he can't tweet anymore so that he doesn't <laughs> oh please do please do. i i yeah no it yeah it's 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 insane right like and and i think you can kind of hear it in my voice that like i don't i'm i'm at the end of my rope with it of like i don't know what else to um to do or contribute at this point. Um, and I've, yeah. I've probably talked way too much tonight, but um, hopefully no, but that, you know, like the mean, fact that it comes along with it, with a contribution, uh, <laughs> you know, that we're making yeah. a donation, giving money to people who, who do actually know what to do. Um, I think that that's, I think that's kind of the, the biggest takeaway from all yeah. of this is there's a lot of, uh, I've been doing a lot of listening. I've been doing a lot of sitting back and, and and um and trying to take it in um but uh yeah it's yeah it's and tough. and like i said i've been i've been trying to do a lot of listening as well as as well as expressing my own opinions and, mm -hmm. and my own frustrations and and obviously as a black man it's hard when you continuously see this happen to to black people but even you know as someone that um I guess that doesn't have, you know, the typical experience of, of black America, like just learning perspectives from other black people and what they've gone through and, you know, situations where they've experienced racism or oppression that I haven't experienced, mm -hmm. um, has just been kind of eye opening. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's like, again, I'm, I'm thankful and blessed that I've had the life that I've had where I haven't had to experience a lot of that stuff, but it also can be a little bit frustrating, like trying to identify with, you know, your, your own people almost. Um, but it's just, um, I don't know, like I said, it's, it's really encouraging to see what's going on right now. It's, it's hard and it's tough knowing the injustices that are going on, but seeing so many people all around the world speak out about it, um, is really encouraging. And, uh, yeah, like you said, we just got to keep that momentum going, um, and just, you know, keep it going until change is made until, uh, 
we see something and i don't know what that's going to look like i mean we started talking about that a little bit earlier like it starts with holding people accountable for these actions but then it continues with sort of dismantling some of these these uh systematic racist systems that have been in place for hundreds of years where you know there may not still be laws prohibiting black people from doing certain things but the effects of that are still being um felt in communities and and just systems throughout the police system and the the stuff that they can get away with and whatever like starting to turn some of that around um is gonna be you know key to just just pushing this forward but it's also again it's it's tough to see but also good for change that this has been bringing up so many other issues Mm -hmm. of outside of just police and just people being killed, but stuff that people go through on a daily basis. And even I was starting to get to this earlier, talking about the guy that was out bird watching and the lady flips out and calls the cops on him. Like that's not systematic racism or or systemic racism. Like that's just an average person being a racist. And that's almost a whole separate issue. Like Mm -hmm. you can change laws and programs and things to fix the, you know, the, the, the laws and the systems that have racism built into them, but it's also a heart issue. Um, we're just, you know, and some people are are willfully racist and just want to be that way because they're yeah. bad people. And then there are other people who, you know, maybe don't think of it as like, oh, I'm not racist because I don't say the N-word or I don't hate black people or whatever, but maybe think about ways like certain preconceived notions, um, not just about black people, but, you know, anybody in general, um, maybe ways that, you know, there's just a certain thing that you're used to saying or used to doing. I used the example, yeah. uh, you know, I was talking about this the other day. I was like, it, you know, if, if you're walking down the street late at night and you see a black guy walking towards you and you, your first in- instinct is to cross the street, like stop and think, why is that? You know, if it's because yeah. he's got his hands in his pocket and you're worried that maybe he's got a gun or something that you can't see and you don't feel safe, then sure. But if you don't feel safe just because he's a black man, then maybe you need to stop and check yourself so um so i think it's going to take that too you know people sort of evaluating that kind of stuff and having open discussions about it because there's a lot of stuff especially you know cultural experiences of other people that you uh maybe come from a different background that you're not aware of and you maybe realize like oh this doesn't mean anything to me but it means something different to this person like just asking questions and and getting to know more of each other's experiences i think is also something that really is just gonna um you know, help help everybody kind of get through this together and, and move us to a place where all lives do matter equally and we don't have to highlight Black Lives Matter. I mean, that's another thing that, you know, I'm, I'm sure uh, we don't necessarily really need to touch on this, but I'll go off on this a little bit. You know, when, when people say Black Lives Matter and people say, oh, well, all lives matter, it's like, yeah, that's the point. That's the point that we want to get to. It's not like we're highlighting only Black Lives Matter or Black Lives Matter more. It's like everybody should matter equally, but we're at a point where black people are being treated by police or by certain people or whatever, like our lives don't matter. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost, it's like Black Lives Matter too. And we're trying to get up to that even play. And obviously it's not just black people. Like there's, you know, all kinds of marginalized groups that, that need help and need to sort of be brought up to that level playing field. But, um, yeah, I mean, so I, I hope one day we can all say all lives matter and it's true and, you know, there, there's nobody being left out or nobody that's still being oppressed. But until that point, we got work to do. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that that's, that's, um, that, that's an important lesson for everybody to take away, right? Uh, it's 
what you're talking about before about about uh, uh, the uh, implicit racism, which is the racism that um, it's not overt. It's not it's not saying the N word or or, uh, uh, you know, uh, actively, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, playing into systems of oppression and stuff like that. It's the it is the 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 prejudice that I think that we all I don't think the prejudice that we all deal with and use clear, concise language with this. Um, and they they everybody, but but in particular, specifically uh, white people need to own up to. Right. Um, it's. It's the diff- difference between racism and a racist, right? Which I think is what you were talking about. Uh-huh. A racist is a person who uh, is is more than likely proud of their racism, right? Um, but yeah. racism is a thing that we all have to deal with on a daily basis, um, uh, no matter who you are, where you are, what you do. It doesn't matter. Um we're we're all either benefiting from systems uh, of racism or or we're being oppressed by them so like there's no there are a lot of white people who want to say like oh well but i'm not you know like i don't i don't have it so good or whatever and we don't need to explain what privilege is necessarily but like the basic idea of like yeah well sure your life is difficult and everything you've got you've had to work for but you know like where you are isn't because of the color of your skin right that's that's white privilege exactly right um exactly and and i think that that we're i think we are getting to a a critical mass a tipping point where enough people are beginning to understand these concepts that real change can start to happen. And it's, it it is a critical mass. It's, it is that thing of like the spark becoming a flame so that it can catch fire. Right. Um, Cause that's how it has to start. But in order for it to really like engulf and take over, it it does have to reach that critical mass where it can't be stopped. It it can't be uh, uh, put out. Right. And that's that's what you you need to see happen. It feels like maybe this is this is that time. And and I really, really, really hope that this is that time. Um, to, yeah. You know, we're going to I think I think we'll know pretty quick whether or not it is, because if this just ends up becoming another talking point on the campaign um, on the campaign trail and and I uh, uh, gets politicized and turned into a. Uh, an us versus them issue then we'll know that there's still more work to do right but when i see the pictures of the protests from yesterday and today and the 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 thousands upon thousands of people pouring into the streets in the midst of a global pandemic and hopefully everybody's staying safe and wearing their masks and and all that but i uh, with the 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 very real threat to to uh, your life of being out there, not only from the pandemic but also from this police brutality that we're seeing over and over, and people are going out and saying like enough is enough. I I I 
I hope that this is the change. I hope this is very similar to the Me Too movement uh, from from a couple of years ago where it's like that seemed to finally hit a critical mass within Hollywood, at least, of like, you know, the, the systems are going to start changing. Um, I think there's still a lot of work to go there as well. But yeah. And I mean, same case here. Like, like it, I've, you're right. I think in that case with the Me Too movement, we've got a long way to go. But you saw some real change and kind of a, a shift happen. And I, yeah. I'm hoping that's what happens here as well, because we're not going to fix all these systems overnight. We're not going to solve racism overnight. And like you said, racism in general is probably never going to go away. Yeah. You know, we can get to a point where all the laws are completely fair and equal. And, you know, there's, there's equal economic opportunity for, for black people and, uh, you know, opportunities within the justice system and, and all that kind of stuff. And there's still going to be some people out there that are white or any other race and don't like people of another race just because of the color of their skin. And that's a sad fact, but it's just one of the the crappy things about the world that just kind of is the way it is. Um, But to, to just have something big happen now and have that be something that sort of sets us off on the path where it's like, okay, we're, we're starting to get the ball rolling um, and we're just going to keep progressing and keep making changes so that, um, you know, so that, the, and again, this, you know, George Floyd, probably not going to be the last black man ever killed by a white police officer, but we're hoping that it happens less, for, less and less frequently, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, there's more and more accountability, more and more visibility, less and less systems in place that allow for this to happen or protect the people involved and all that sort of thing. Um, and we'll just, you know, eventually get to a point where, where it's going to turn around. Now, I mean, Again, I would love it if tomorrow everything was fixed with the snap of a finger, but obviously that's not realistic. But like you said, this just feels like a kind of a, a critical mass moment. And to me, really, again, the the key indicator of that is the fact that this has gone worldwide. Because I don't remember any of the other protests from like Ferguson or, or any of those other incidents. I don't remember seeing any other protests from across the globe. Now there could have been some, and maybe I'm just misremembering, but especially on the global scale that this is happening right now, like I I saw like just a slideshow gallery the other day of like probably 30 plus countries where not just there were a few people marching, like they were flooding the streets of major cities. Um, And I know, especially like in in England, this is a huge thing right now too. And obviously, you know, you and I both podcast about star wars for a hobby and you know seeing john boyega over there literally leading the resistance was pretty dang cool yeah um but even you know then just today i saw videos of them like they pulled down a statue of some old slave trader guy from the 1700s and like rolled it into the harbor where he used to dock his slave ships and um so it's not even again it's grown so much bigger than just one murder or just police brutality or just the plight of black people in America. It's all people all over the world are standing up and saying enough of this racism crap. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think, I do think it, it's, it's on a scale that, that we haven't seen before. Um, mm-hmm. And, and hopefully that's an indicator of, of effect. And I think it's a generational thing. And I think in the, in the couple of years since Ferguson, it's that many more people are now uh, old enough to, to get out on the street and, and say something about it. Right. So uh, it's hopefully that's the case. And and hopefully it, 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 what we're seeing is a, is a real, a real turn 
in the conversation um towards real change uh but uh yeah i we we've been talking for a while uh, uh like we said at the beginning of this we're not going to solve any problems uh but but i do i do hope that that some of the 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 people listening to this podcast um have heard some ideas that may, maybe they hadn't heard yet or um or some new ways of presenting it or in the least that we've given you uh some more language to go out into the world and talk to other people about this um i th- i think one of the one of the most important things that i can say from my perspective as a a a, a white guy i i in this in this whole uh i sort of with the dynamics of, of how everything works is um i think it's really easy for white people to be afraid that they're not welcome in the conversation i uh, we like we are welcome in the conversation um and 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 i think that black people and, and other minorities want us to be a part of the conversation um yeah and, absolutely i mean it doesn't I, I change think, without us so we have to we have to yes. show up but you have to show up with an open heart and an open mind ready to take some real serious feedback and criticism not get offended by it hear it for what it is and if you do really want to see change it's like it has to start with you that's the that's the most important part of it so so just, you know, like, don't shy away from it. Don't stay away from the conversations. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to suck. It's going to be exhausting. But your discomfort is nothing. Your temporary discomfort, I'll, I'll actually qualify that, is nothing compared to the permanent discomfort that black people and and people of color have to deal with every day in North America, not just the United States, but also in Canada. Um, and let's not leave indigenous people out of this conversation either, because in Canada, mm-hmm. that's a huge problem. Um, that's really sort of our shameful secret up here. Um, that doesn't get talked about a lot. So, you know, like it's, it's, it, we benefit from the systems. We create the systems, uh, in a lot of instances and enforce them. And, and that's not going to change without our participation. So, uh, so, so to all of the white people listening and, and here's one of the things that I've actually learned over the course of the last couple of days, uh, as I've been tweeting things and, and seeing the interactions on Twitter, um, from the people that follow me on the podcast and whatnot, um, our audience is actually a lot more diverse than I ever thought that it was. And that's my hmm. failing. I didn't, I never thought about it. Just didn't think about it. Right. Um, the majority of our Patreon supporters, I think, are 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 uh, white, but I that doesn't mean that our whole audience is represented there. So, I it's you know like our we're talking to a diverse group of people. There's a lot of people listening to this podcast, um, coming at it from a lot of different perspectives. I want this to be not the end of our conversation, but this is the beginning of the conversation within the Thunderquack community. Um, and so I want to open that up and I want like if this, this conversation isn't going to go away. It's not going to stop. Um, Amanda and I were talking about that today over text. Um, it's, this is going to be something that's going to be ongoing, especially because it is an election year. And this is going to be one of the main talking points, I think going into it. 
So if you've got something that you want to say, whether it's uh, just an opinion or um, a a correction for us, uh, for Thunderquack as, as an organization or as a podcast or whatever, don't be afraid. Please, please get in contact with us through the different channels. I don't want to sound like I'm promoting things, but you guys know we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. I don't care how you do it. Um, like what method, whatever is the most comfortable for you, whatever the best place to talk to us is. Um, if there's something that we could be doing more of, if there's something that we should be doing less of, like for instance, me talking maybe a little bit less, but (laughs) I, I like, uh, we want to be open to that feedback to specifically to criticism so that we can grow and be better because I have always wanted Thunderquack to be an inclusive community. Um, I think at times maybe we haven't lived up to that uh, as, as well as we could have. Um, And so it's a, but it's a learning experience and it's not like shutting people down, shutting things down. Isn't going to move things forward. Everybody has to be open and willing to move forward together in order for us to, to see changes a community. Right. And, and that changes a community hopefully can also change those systems. So so that's that's all that's everything that I'm gonna say uh, for this episode, <laughs> Kyle. I'll <laughs> let you close it out with anything that you want to say, uh, and then we'll sign off. Yeah, no, I mean, really, all I had as far as closing thoughts. I mean, you kind of just hit the nail on the head as far as you know. I would invite everybody to just get in discussions, not just with us, but with you know your friends, your family members, uh, people that you interact with on a daily basis, and if you're white or you know a different race thinking or talking about these black issues uh don't be afraid to speak up and don't you know sort of try to take control of the conversation from black people or like tell them what to feel or what to think or just you know be don't be presumptive um but be open and you know try to to you know sort of learn from other people's perspectives but also um yeah don't be up don't be afraid to to speak up and think oh i can't say black lives matter or i can't you know speak out in defense of uh you know black people or black rights or whatever because you know that doesn't apply to me um because we need all the help we can get look we i mean we've been fighting this fight for hundreds of years Hmm. um and uh you know like you said you're talking about that ending of rise of skywalker when lando shows up with all the reinforcements at the end it's you know we we need the whole resistance together behind us so um yeah, definitely. Like, because I've heard that from people too. Like, I had a friend who wanted to organize uh, sort of a small protest, and she she had some friends who were white that told her, like, "Oh no, you shouldn't do that. You should just go join a, a black led movement because otherwise, you're taking away voices from from black people." And she's an an Asian woman, and I told her, I was like, "No, go ahead, do your thing." Like. If I was a black man and I saw a whole group of like white and Asian people protesting on behalf of Black Lives Matter and, you know, again, not trying to like sort of take control of it or assume that they know, you know, everything that we're going through or whatever, but just being allies and saying, hey, we're not in this group, but we see that what's being done to this group is wrong and we want to help change it. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, Um, I I think the key to that is join wherever you can. But if if there isn't anything to join, you are fully capable of organizing yourself no matter who you are yeah yeah Yeah, definitely but and then even you know again in in just daily conversations too um 
or you see somebody being racist. Like you don't have to be a black person to speak up and say, hey, don't say that about black people. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to take all of us to, uh, you know, to help turn this thing around to mm -hmm. to affect change. And like I said, I mean, obviously, we're talking about specific black issues uh, right now, too. But I mean, this is sort of. You know, it, it really is a, a global issue and a multicultural issue, um, and there are other indigenous or other other uh, oppressed communities. And you mentioned indigenous people, mm -hmm. um, but all kinds of other ethnicities and groups that um, that need help as well. And so, um, I'm trying to be open and, and learn more about those as well, and look for areas where I can help lift those people up. And um, like I said, I mean, really, <laughs> all lives matter is the goal. Like we want to get to that point, but until then, you know, we're talking about black lives matter and we got work to do to, to get everybody on that equal playing field. So, yeah. um, but yeah, just, you know, if for anybody listening, um, I don't know who all specifically is listening to this, but you know, just for people that are, that are supporting this, um, and whether you're just, you know, spreading your messages of positivity in support of it, or whether you're actually going out and protesting or donating or whatever you're doing, or again, you know, just talking to people about it and maybe having productive discussions, um, either about ways that you can change your own mindset or trying to change somebody else's mindset that's, that's close to you and trying to help them kind of see ways that they can change. I mean, all of that is helpful and productive. And, uh, you know, if, if you're doing anything, don't feel like, never feel like it's not enough. Um, and maybe if you can do more than, then go ahead and do what you're able to do. But, um, you know, don't look at like Michael Jordan donating a hundred million dollars and say, Oh, well I could only donate $5. Like every little bit helps and every bit of support is appreciated. So. Awesome. Well, I, I guess that's it for this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Kyle, thank you for, for jumping on and being a part of this one. Um, yeah, of course. Thanks it, for having me. Yeah. I, and uh, and uh, like I said, this will be an ongoing conversation, right? This isn't uh, this isn't the end. This is just the start of it for us. So, yeah. Uh, and hopefully, the next time we talk about it, we can look back and go, "Wow, look how much progress we made." Yeah, absolutely. Um, rather than uh, than promote our own uh, such and such, which you can hear on any literally any other episode of this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and take this moment to highlight. Um, a couple of uh, uh, places uh, that, that I've been getting some of my information from recently, some, some really great uh, uh, podcasts. Um, one is uh, Minority Corner, which I heard as a result of being uh, subscribed to My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is a McElroy Brothers uh, uh, podcast. Um, but they did a feed drop in, in their feed of uh, Minority Corner. And, uh, and I recommend going and listening to, to the latest episode of that podcast. Um, maybe it's not the latest episode anymore, but, uh, another one is the podcast, uh, spawn on me, uh, which is a, a video game podcast, but they, uh, they've got an episode from Tuesday titled a lesson in blackness that, that I really, really recommend, um, and uh, and just just take an opportunity uh, take this opportunity I should say to to go out there and uh, and and maybe diversify your listening a little bit. Um, 
there's a there's, <laughs> Thunderquack is a great example of the fact that there are a lot of white dudes between the age of 25 and 40 that want to talk about nerdy stuff. Um, but there are other podcasts out there. Um, so, uh, yeah, go, go out there. There are, there are a lot of lists. Um, but those are the two that I've listened to in the last week that, um, that have had really great conversation. Um, and, uh, and, and I've really learned a lot. So I, I think that's the, that's the, the number one thing that everybody can do right now. Um, I donate, contribute, whatever, you, however you can. Um, and there it's, it's about more than just money. Um, but, uh, uh, when you're, when you're done doing that, cause that's a very quick action that you can take signing petitions, donating, etc. I, I, the ongoing thing is to keep learning and listening, um, particularly to, particularly to people of color. Um, and, uh, and, and like you said, Kyle, I, I trying to learn from their experiences and, and hear what they have to say, um, uh, to broaden your horizons and, and, uh, and and your understanding of things so with that uh thank you for listening uh, to the thunderquack podcast thank you for joining us this week uh amanda and i should be back next week uh a regular regular time uh sort of getting back to business as usual to a certain degree but uh until then thank you for listening we will see you next time thank you kyle for joining us of course